you have your copies of God's Word, we're going to continue our walk through the book of Acts, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And this Sunday, you know, the last, I don't know, 15, 16 chapters, there's been very specific um, interpretation and application that comes with it. Whereas today we're going to see uh, a more general application as we look at how to determine the will of God in our lives. And I just don't mean the will of God, should I, should I hurt this person or not? The will of God is very clear. No. All right. But some of the areas where it seems like the, the Bible doesn't speak into it, or maybe a, a silent area in our lives. And, and the, the Holy Spirit, through the writing of Luke, is going to give us some general applications here. So we're going to pick up in verse 6 of chapter 16, had to remind myself there. And they said this, first of all, is everyone awake this morning? Okay, Isaac, you were yawning while you shook your head yes, but thank you. Okay, all right, don't contradict me, young man. All right, now, I'm just teasing, I'm teasing, not really. Verse 6, all right, and they, they be in Paul, Silas, in Timothy. Now, I want you to drag some of the context with us from last week as Timothy made a personal sacrifice in order to keep the main thing the main thing as they went to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hope those conversations went well, parents, with your children. We'll touch on that briefly today. Verse 6, and as they pass through Phrygian. Did I say that correctly? Thank you. It's not funny, Patty. And the Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, that's interesting, to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Messiah, Messiah. Anyone? Messiah. You know what? I'm just going to slaughter them with confidence. Here we go. They were trying to go to Bathina. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them there as well. And passing by Messiah, they came down to Tros. And a vision appeared to Paul at night. A man from Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over and help us. And when he had seen this vision, immediately he sought to go to Macedonia, and concluding that God had called, plural, us to preach the gospel to them. Now this seems like a very high flyover, and it is. But there is some general application that we can apply to our lives this week from this if we break down the interpretation. But before we do that, it will never be enough that I am teaching this or that you are hearing this. We need the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's ask the Holy Spirit and our Father to teach us this morning. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you, and we do confess that you are, Lord, our God. Lord, I bring no wisdom of my own, no talents of my own, no ability, but only what you have given me. I pray that you would use them, as flawed and broken as they may be, to bring honor and glory to you, to draw attention to you. Lord, no one needs to hear the preacher's message more than the preacher. 
So, Father, I preach this to myself. I teach this to myself first. And I pray that your people, as they listen to me, talk to me, that they too would hear your word. I pray that your Holy Spirit would cultivate our hearts, break the ground, make it fertile, that we would hear your word and apply it to our lives. Father, we ask one thing of you this morning. And Father, we believe we have chosen well. We ask that you give us Christ. That we would see him more clearly through his word. That we would love him more with our heart and our mind and with all of our strength. And finally, Father, so that you alone would receive all of the glory. Father, these people, they belong to you. This is your church. May it be beautiful. May it be chaste when you return. And Father, I pray this and I ask this in your Son's precious and holy name. And if you're thankful for the beautiful weather, say amen. Amen. All right. Have you ever heard the words, Oh yeah, well how do you know? And you respond with, I know because I know. Anyone at all ever use that logic? Thank you. All right. One, one person over here. Thank you. And does he listen to that at all? Okay, not so responsive there. All right. That is the dreaded question that you, you hear whenever you might be clearly in an argument. All right. I'm joking. But that question can be even more dreaded when you're trying desperately on how to know whether or not what the will of God is in your life. The truth of the matter is, it is a great question. How do you know what God's will is? Well, first, we must answer the first question, is it clear in Scripture? Is it clear in Scripture? Excuse me. I got the kova. Let's move forward. I shouldn't even talk that. That word is an anathema. All right. The first question we need to ask ourselves is, is it clear in Scripture There are many instructions within the Word of God and directives within Scripture that make the will of God very clear, i.e. our personal morality in our lives, stewardship, spiritual fruit being developed, spiritual disciplines in our lives that help give us clear answers to what God's will is for His children. However, that's not always the, the, the easy, the, what am I trying to say here? That's not always the difficult part. There are many instructions in Scripture that, that aren't completely clear. But there are parts that are very clear, all right? For example, should I move in with my boyfriend or girlfriend in order to test the waters of marriage? Well, God's Word speaks very clearly to that. No, should I take out a loan that I will never ever be able to pay back in all of my life? The answer, according to Scripture, is rather clear. No, we should not. Should I run from the subtle advances of a person who is not my spouse? The, the Scriptures are clear. Yes, run. Should I walk humbly, love mercy, love justice? The answer is yes. Should I press my faith into the social issues of my generation, such as poverty and love? life and fairness and justice and the word of God is very clear yes yes and yes amen church God's word is clear 
But the truth of the matter is, these are not unclear areas that we struggle with. Now, we may struggle with applying them. We may struggle with doing them because of the pride of life and the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh in our love for selves. But they're not unclear. We know we should do these things. What we struggle with, at least intellectually and emotionally, are the unclear or silent areas of God's Word. You know, the Bible just doesn't always talk about everything. Should I, for example, should I buy this house? It could be a lot of things in our life. Should I buy this house? Should I, should I, I don't know, I'm going to, what, what could be possibly the greatest waste of time someone could do? I don't know. Give me some things. What is that? I don't know. Uh, pheasant hunting. All right. Should I go pheasant hunting? Poor, beautiful bird getting destroyed in the air. All right. Although I do hear it's tasty. Um, or should I spend time with my, my wife and then God's creation? You know, what is God's will for our lives? Another one might be, should I, should I take this job? Do I start this company? Do I, do I donate this money? Do I take this money? Do I go to this area of the world? Do I marry this person? Those are areas of God's will that sometimes make our, our journey in our Christian walk a little difficult. For example, how many here wished that God would just stamp everything in the world green, red, and yellow. Amen? Wouldn't that be great? Red meaning God wants you to do it. Green meaning God wants you to do it. Red meaning don't do it. Yellow meaning I haven't revealed it yet. Even the yellow at least gives you a little bit of information. Young ladies... Moms, wives, women, wouldn't it be nice that when you met a young man, God just stamped him for you? How many would say, that would be amazing right there? A lot of fathers in here saying, God has stamped every young man for my daughter. And the answer is no, all right? Because men are pigs. Can I get a witness? Let's move forward, all right? Don't agree too heartily with that, all right? This is what the text is going to address. The yellow, the unclear. Although, any guy look at me like that, the answer is no, all right? Especially me. Let's move forward, all right? We're going to address the kind of the yellow areas in this text. We're going to be pulling general applications and observations in order to find biblical applications that will help us understand uh, what... We are to do when God's will is, shall we say it, yellow or silent or unclear. This is what we'll see in the life of Paul, Timothy, and Silas. So down the road, these three men go. And just to paint a picture to help draw some of the application in from last week, down the road they go. Timothy walking a little slowly than the rest of them because of his willingness to not exercise his rights. And if you are following me when I say that, say amen. amen. If you don't, you might want to catch last week's context as Timothy literally surrendered all to the Lord. All three now, because of Timothy's sacrifice of being circumcised, even though he didn't have to, but he wanted to make sure that that issue as a, a, a Jewish boy 
probably in his late teens and early 20s, of a mixed parentage of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. And we remember what the Mishnah says about that, that culturally he is considered Jewish. And the fact that he hasn't been circumcised, every synagogue that he goes into, which by the way, according to the law, he's not even allowed to go into. If he goes in there, every issue they're going to talk about is why isn't he circumcised? So he gets circumcised even though he doesn't have to in order that he doesn't become the issue, but the gospel remains the main issue. And we asked ourselves a question last week, what is it in our lives that we must give up in the church so that the gospel becomes and remains the main thing? So with all that being said, all three can now enter into the synagogue and share the gospel rather, here it is, rather than be a distraction to it. So with all this being said, let's join their walk as they visit the churches that many of them, or Paul, had planted and started and worked with on his first missionary journey. So with this being said, this is our entire text this week. Happy Father's Day. I trimmed an entire page off of my sermon notes. How many here say thank you? Amen? You're welcome. I am going to speak slower though, all right? So off they go to do what was the clear will of God, right? After all, what could possibly be wrong with discipling those that they just brought to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, especially in Lystra? What could possibly be wrong with visiting all the churches that you started and helped when you were on your first missionary journey? And of course, the answer is absolutely nothing. Nothing is wrong with that. In fact, I would say not only is there nothing wrong with that, but there is something noble about that. The church would do well to remember that we are to be fishers of men and keepers of aquariums at the same time. We have a responsibility to evangelize and we have a responsibility to disciple one another. Now, with that being said, there's nothing wrong. In fact, noble. Here it is. It's just that God has different plans. How many here have ever realized God tends to have different plans than you? Anyone at all? If only he could just stamp things. So off they go. But here it is. God has different plans than theirs. Here's the first application that just falls into our laps that I'm just going to throw out there and then we'll move on. Here it is. God's will is not determined by what you desire. Oh, Speak that to the American church. God's will is not determined by what we want to do. So as they go to do what is right and noble, they find that it is not the will of God. In fact, it says this, having, where is it? Having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word of Asia. Now, we look at that and go, how could he possibly forbid the gospel heading there? But we look at that. Why in the world were they forbidden? We'll touch on that in a moment. But what we do see here is that Paul and Silas and Timothy, and soon Luke, we'll see that in the wee passages, we'll touch on that in just a moment, all right, that they do the right thing. They stop. We've been forbidden by the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about maybe how in a moment, but we'll talk about why as well. But they do the right thing. They adjust. They stop. They change their plans, and they go in a completely different direction. And with confidence that we have followed the Lord's instructions, they, they had, and let's click the button because I don't know which where are they, and the Spirit of Jesus stops them again. How many here 
would be a little frustrated at this time. Anyone at all? You're just trying to do a good and noble thing to promote the gospel. You're following the Great Commission. So twice now, as they try to do a good thing in the name of the Lord, they are stopped by the Lord himself. Can you imagine how frustrating this would be, confusing this would be? How many times have we said in our lives, Lord, what is it you want? I just want to follow you in these yellow areas of my life, but it's difficult. In fact, Lord, we're trying to do a good thing here. So before we get into the why, now remember, we're going to be looking at general applications here. Before we get into the why, let's look at the how in order to maybe examine our hearts a little bit as well. How did the Lord stop them? Well, here it is. Are you ready for this? The answer is, I don't know. And the answer is, it's very clear. How do you like that? That was 26 hours of research, all right? The answer is yes and no that we know. It is both silent, yet it is clear at the same time. Allow me to explain. Let's start with the silent first. How did the Lord stop them? Here it is. We don't necessarily know. That is why we call it the silent part. Here it is. Did the Lord himself appear? Did Jesus himself appear? It says here that the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. But that's kind of general, if you will. Maybe the Lord appeared to them. I don't know. Maybe it was the all-encompassing, our favorite one in today's vernacular and idea. The Lord has given me a what? Peace. The Lord has given me peace. Now, that's kind of a tricky one if you think about it. Almost certainly it was not peace at this time. God has stopped them twice. He has frustrated their efforts. Oftentimes people will use a sense of peace as a means to determine the silent, yellow, unclear will of God. As though, here it is, as though God only works through our peace. Are you following me on this one? May I have a little bit of fun with this one, mate? We're a Baptist church, so we're going to need three-fourths majority vote, all right? All those in favor of allowing me to speak a little bit enjoyably into the area of our personal peace, signify by saying amen. amen. Opposed? Please leave the room. All right, now, I'm joking. I'm going to have a little fun with this one. The Lord has given me peace. Ask Moses about the peace the Lord gave him. Ask Lot about the peace the Lord gave him, or David, or any of the apostles. Or maybe when the storm was raging and they thought they were about to die, and Jesus literally had to rebuke the storm and say, peace be still. If peace is how we find God's will, or, or most recently, Timothy. Remember the context from the last two weeks. Most recently, Timothy. Do you think Timothy, at the age of 19 or 21, got circumcised in the synagogue in his early 20s while screaming, this is the best day of my life. I got peace like a river. Brings a whole new meaning to I surrender all. All to thee, my. No, let's, just, let's move forward, all right? I'm ruining that song, but it fits, all right? There is a Western, contemporary, affluent, and I would even say the word arrogant, arrogance that can be laced in the idea that my peace 
is determinative of the will of God in my life, as those storms may not actually be an advocate for it as well. Now, please know this. I am not demoting the importance of God's peace in our lives. I'm not demoting that. I'm suggesting suggesting that we be open to the fact that God's will might not include our peace. Peace can be a cultural Christian loophole to do what we want. I'm not trying to minimize it. I'm just saying maybe we can be honest and aware of our own hearts in that. But back to the text here. How did God stop him? Did he appear? Was it peace of mind? Was it difficult circumstances? Or maybe, and frankly, I think this one might have a little bit more relevance or teeth to it here. All right, Was it illness with Paul? Did he have an illness? The reason I think this one has a little bit more meat to it than all the others is because it is here that Luke actually joins the three in, in person here. You see that within the pronouns in verse 10. Well, I cannot be dogmatic about whether or not it was an illness. We do know this. Luke is a physician. He's been writing the book of Acts, and he joins them right after they are frustrated to go in either direction. The narrative pronouns shift from they to we. Luke physically joins them. Why? I do not know. I can't dogmatically say. But I do know this, that when a doctor joins my presence, it's usually because I have an illness or I need free medical advice. Anyone with me on that? (laughs) But this much we do know. While the how is kind of silent and unclear, it is still very clear to understand here, and that is this. God is stopping them by frustrating their efforts. That part is clear. God is stopping them by frustrating their efforts. They want to go. They are going, and they are stopped. So they decide to go here. They're going. This is what they want to do, and they are stopped. He is frustrating their efforts. And he did it in two consecutive occasions, which brings us to our first application about how to determine and follow, at least on a general level, some of the yellow, unclear, silent will of God in our lives. And here it is, number one, general application here. Sometimes God shows us his will by frustrating or hindering our efforts. Sometimes God shows us his will by frustrating and hindering our efforts. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm saying we need to be open and receptive to that. And we must be humble and wise enough to stop what we are doing and simply ask this question here. Am I following the will of God or am I using God to follow my own will? That's a big one. Am I following the will of God or am I using God as a vehicle to pursue my will? That is a subtle danger and fault in our lives. The answer is prayer. The answer is to be in the Word of God. And here, I just want to share this one out. The answer is in the safety of many counselors. Whenever you're in a silent area of God's will, we'll call it the yellow, counsel, counsel, counsel. Other godly women speaking truth into your life based on what they see and what they believe and are reading in the Word of God as well. Always seek counsel and prayer in the Word of God. 
And I'm not talking about doing something that is wrong here, but rather about doing things that are simply not his will for us at this time. A lot of times we want to do things for the Lord, but we have to ask ourselves, Lord, is this what you want me to do for you? This takes a great deal of humility, patience, and spiritual discernment. It's amazing to see that the Holy Spirit, grab this, the Holy Spirit blocked every direction salt by human initiative. He blocked it all. We're going to do this. They make their plans. They get their food, their donkeys, their horses. I don't know. All right? And they head in that way, and the Lord frustrates this initiative. Could it be because this was more what Paul wanted to do than what God wanted him to do? And the answer is a safe yes. Yes. Paul is trying to do a good thing that God does not want him to do right now. We see that's, that's very clear here. Whatever the case, because here it is, God is frustrating it. God is hindering it. God is stopping them. God is forbidding it. And by the way, it is okay to stop, to adjust, fix, wait, and then go when you have a clear direction. I met with someone not too long ago, and it was a, a, a difficult decision that, you know, it, what, what is it that the Lord wants us to do? And I simply said to them, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I wish it was green. I wish it was red. I wish it was anything but yellow, to be honest with you. Oh, ministry would be wonderful if everything didn't seem to be yellow or gray or foggy or messy or, 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 or what's, what's another word I'm looking for? Controversial. Oh, for the red and green. How many here have no trouble making decisions when it is red and green, but you pull up to McDonald's and they say, would you like to supersize that? And you are just, you can't make a decision. Anyone at all? This is the easiest decisions in the world that you're just like, I don't know. I don't know. I'll look over to my wife. What do I want? She goes, I don't know what you want. I might might get an extra large because she's going to eat half my food anyway. Right, man? I'm teasing, honey. You don't. A third of it. All right. Now, if only it was red and green. And I said to them, I don't know if I'm making the right decision. I think I am. Based on the information I have, I think this is the best amongst the sea of good. I've eliminated the bad, I think. And now I've got a bunch of good. And now I'm trying to find the best. And I want you to know, I don't know. I'm just doing the best I can. But you have my word on this. And I said to this person that if I find that I'm wrong, if I find that there's a better decision, I won't double down on it. I promise you that. I will apologize to you. I will change my decision. And I will make it right. But right now, it's all I got. This is what Paul is doing, by the way. So give him credit. Look at what happened. After being frustrated twice, it says a a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now we get some clear communication, which, by the way, is being progressively given. There's a key. How do I know the silent will of God in our lives? Well, there's a progression here. Look for the progression. I want to touch on this quickly. By the way, be careful of people who constantly have visions from God. I'm just going to say it out there. How many here are a little afraid of people who have visions every week? Anyone at all? I am because they're usually about me, all right? I'm like, why doesn't the Lord talk to me? I have the Holy Spirit too. Be careful here. 
as it relates to the total record of Acts, with the completion and the establishment of the church, such visions are rare and unusual form of divine guidance. Now, let me be clear. I'm not saying that God can't. Because God cannot fit into our box. Amen, church? God, okay. God is greater than our Baptist box. Amen? He's greater than our ten systematic theology divisions. Amen? He can do whatever he wants. Unless it's contrary to his character, of course. But, but this is an unusual and rare form of communication here. So before we get into the why, oh, I'm down here. I went to the top of my house. Let's just start from the top, all right? It's unusual form of divine guidance. But here's what I love about what the, you see within the heart of Paul here. That even though he receives this vision, all right? How many here, if you received a vision of God, would go, was that real? Anyone at all? Did I just see that? Did I, did I dream that? Was that from God or was that that burrito I had last night? Anyone at all? And I'm not trying to lighten it, but how many here second-guess yourself when something amazing happens? Am I alone on that? Is this real? Is this what he wants? Here's what I love about Paul. Look at this. He doesn't use the vision as in an ecclesiastical billy club to demand his way. Ecclesiastical meaning church. I've received a vision. Everyone get behind me, all right? Look what he does here. He sat down with Luke. He sat down with Timothy. He sat down with Silas. And he told them about this vision to get insight. Because remember, whenever you are talking about the silent, progressive, unclear will of God in your life, and we're going to add to that in a moment, you want to be in prayer, you want to be with the Word of God in the Scriptures, and you want the safety of many counselors. Look what he does here. He tries to get insight from these men as to what the action item should be. In fact, we see this in the word here, concluding, which in the Greek, that wonderful little word literally means this. It means to join together, to consider and reason with those around you for the purpose of taking action. In fact, the same meaning of this word comes from in the Old Testament when he says, when God invites us to come, let us reason together that we might submit to his will. It carries the idea of joining together to consider, to sit down, to discuss. Be very careful with someone who says that God gave them a vision and there is no discussion allowed. Any true vision from God, which by the way I'm going to say is probably captured here within His complete, canonical, inspired, inerrant word right here. Here's the vision of God, if you will. Be very careful here. Any true vision from God would welcome the safety of many counselors. In fact, it would seek them out. Because otherwise, we can make a big mess out of things. In 1999, Benny Hinn, how many here know who Benny Hinn is? He's the one that wears white all the time and wants you to plant a financial seed gift. Anyone following me here at all? On Total Christian Television, 1999, told everyone that the Lord had given him a vision that thousands of people from all over the world would be raised from the dead when they put their loved one's caskets in front of the TV set and tuned into his program and gave a seed gift. How many here remember that? Anyone at all? 
You want to know why you don't remember it all that well? Because all the dead people stayed dead. That's why. No one raised from the dead. But no one was allowed to discuss it with him. No one was allowed to say, you know what? Hey, I got a question. All right? It wasn't allowed. It's just saying, God gave me this vision. By the way, is not a trump card to force your way. And ladies, be very careful when that guy comes up to you and says, God told me that we're supposed to get married. Here's the word of God. Run, go away, run for the hills, all right? Because God will tell you young ladies directly. And all of God's women said what? Amen. You don't need them weirdo as a conduit to God's will in your life. You take that to the bank, all right? God will tell you directly, you have the same Holy Spirit as that young man who might be operating on his best interests. In fact, let me just say, he is operating on his best interests. You have the same Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and common sense. And by the way, God does not give visions that are contrary to his already clear and expressed will from the Word of God, ever. But here's what I need us to see. God frustrated their efforts. He stopped their efforts. Has God ever stopped your efforts? Ever frustrated your marriage? Relationships? Hopes? Dreams? Desires? Wants? God frustrated their efforts, but he did not leave it there. He followed it up with a positive direction. You see, when God frustrates something, when he hinders something, look for what he encourages and assists on following it. Now, I absolutely, I got the hiccups here, so deal with it, all right? I absolutely hate what I'm about to say, okay? I hate what I'm about to say, but it's true. But I hate it because it sounds so tripe and I grew up with it and it makes me want to just spew it out of my mouth. But I'm going to say it because it's true. The point here is this. Ugh, all right, when, when God closes a door, <laughs> look for the open window. <laughs> can't believe I ever said those words. But God's word's more important, and that's what we see here. Closed door, closed door, wide open window. Not only a wide open window, but the Lord picked him up by the seat of his pants and said, you're going through it. And it had nothing to do with his will or his peace. I'll let that one die. Maybe not. I'll do what I want. I'm the Supreme Chancellor here. Here we go. Why is that so funny all the time? You guys are in sin. Oh, to have a church full of Timothys. Here's what we need to see. Look at the open window here. In this vision, a man from Macedonia was standing and appealing to Paul saying, come over here and help us. By the way, when you see those words, Macedonia, I just want you to think one thing, Europe. That word, this, Europe is going, or the gospel is going to Europe, which, by the way, might have a large impact on the history of the world. Bring it to Europe. Europe is calling 
And it says, bring the gospel here. I want, you to, to, I want to draw the attention to a general truth found in Acts, by the way. God's call to serve is most often found and comes to those who are already serving. You see this pattern all the time, especially when you have the establishment of the church. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of differences in the Old Testament and then the, 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 the picking of the apostles and all that stuff. But when you see the church and the ministry and the gifts given to it, whenever you see the calling of God, the general pattern is that the call comes to those who are already serving. Look at what they're doing. They're on their way. They're trying to follow and Obey God. And the call comes. This call did not come to people who were doing nothing. And there is truth in this today. One time I had a person come up to me and say, I believe God is calling me to start a full-time Christian ministry and I need support. I said, all right, come on in. We met. And I said, why do you think God is calling you to this and why are you responding to it? And they kind of looked at me a little funny, which I get a lot, I understand that, as if those questions have somehow overstepped my place. Like, you know, why do you feel the Lord is calling to you this, and why do you feel you need to follow it at this time? And they kind of looked at me funny. After all, God had given them a peace about it. God had given them a, a call about it, and no one can question the peace and the call of God in someone's life. And I'm just going to come out there and say this. Yes, you can. In fact, the church is called to do that. It's called to examine. It's called to verify. What do you think the qualifications for First Timothy are for a shepherd and a deacon or a deaconess? They're, they're, they challenge the calling. They, they filter it. And I said, well, with humility, God has already called you to service. And his, his will is very clear. It's green. It's a bright green. Green. And that we've been called, all of us, to serve the body of Christ and to use our spiritual gifts to edify the church that so collectively as we give up our things so that the main thing can stay the main thing, we might be a bright light of the gospel to the nations. We have a call, amen, church? And all of us have it, using our gifts as one body. We already have a call to use our spiritual gifts in the church. And I said... And here's my issue, you're doing none of it. You decline every invitation to serve the church. And you quit the ones that you were serving in. Why do you feel compelled? Oh, hear these words. Why do you feel compelled to obey God's call in the yellow when you freely choose to disobey Him in the green? In love and in truth, if this is about following God's will, you would already be doing that in the clear areas. Could it be that it has less to do with the will of God and more to do with what we want, my friends, when it comes to the New Testament church? The pattern here is God most often calls those who are already actively serving the Lord, i.e., Timothy. Silas, 
Stephen Cole says this. I like this. He says this. You can turn the steering wheel of your car all day long, but if that car is not moving forward, you're not going in any direction. Hmm. We should apply that to our spiritual walk as well. We can sit around and pray for God's direction for service, but you're... Good luck with that. If you're not already serving Him, start doing something. And He will direct our actions as He he sees fit. Now, one more observation. We're almost done here. So happy Father's Day. Notice God leading came in a progressive form. It came in a progressive form. Not in an instant, high-definition, big picture. One of the best ways to know the will of God in your life tomorrow is to make sure you're in his clear will today. Did you catch that? If you want to understand what the yellow is, it is best to be right in the green and the red. When it comes to God's silent will for our lives, it is often given to us in a progressive manner. Sometimes people will come to Trinity, and I want you to hear this. We're on our last page. It's double-spaced, so it's going to go quickly. But here we go, all right? Sometimes people will come to Trinity, and they said, you know, I really like what, oh, blah, blah, blah. They say positive things, and they're like, is this the vision the Lord gave you when you came? I'm like, no! My vision when I came was to not get fired. That was my vision, all right? Don't mess it up so badly that you get fired. But my honest answer, and by the way, that was an honest answer, okay? But my honest answer today is this. I want you to hear this. Based on the general applications that I find within the New Testament. Sometimes I laugh when people are like, what? And I don't laugh at people. I laugh at myself when I hear this. Like, what's our 10-year vision? I'm like, to not get fired. I made that clear, all right? Am I, am I not enunciating? It's this. My personal hope and desire and vision for Trinity is not complicated. It is to be so in line with the Lord's clear will. The red and the green. To be so in line with His clear will today that nothing will ever hinder us from following his revealed will tomorrow. If I could summarize this, that is my vision for Trinity, to prepare our hearts and conduct ourselves in such a way that we are kicking the heels of our Savior as he leads. That is my hope. So what does all this mean when it comes to finding the unclear will of God in our lives? Here's the first here, if I could summarize it. The norm in Acts is that you take initiative and use wise planning while submitting and trusting that God will progressively show us his will and the best way to implement it. What you have here is human responsibility and the sovereign act of God working together. Now, with all this being said, I want to bring up last week's context and then bring out some primary applications, and then I'm going to send you home. I hope the context crashes in your mind as I read this summary. It's rather brief, but here it is, and I made sure it rhymed. Paul and Barnabas fight. Timothy gives up his rights. Christ frustrates their sights, gives them a vision at night, and Europe's need for the gospel is ripe. I had to take two days off to write that. It was just one. Um, (laughs) But as you look at those rhyming words, 
hopefully the last few weeks application is just backfilling in your mind because without knowing what God meant then, we can't possibly apply it correctly today. God's word is not a buffet to choose from. It is a dinner we must consume our plate. Now here it is. From man's perspective, looking at that green up there, from man's perspective, this is one giant, fighting, frustrating, separating, circumcising, hot mess. So what is the abiding lesson here? Here it is. God can use unhappy, perplexing, and yes, even personal failure to bring fresh perspective and direction to our lives. The journey you are on right now that maybe was not your choice does not mean God is done. In fact, I would dare say that God is doing a great work in your life right now. You cannot move forward by looking back. Now catch this. Catch this, even when it's our fault. How encouraging is that? God can use our largest failures to bring about our greatest blessings. By the way, I don't know about you, but I learned the most in failure. Amen? Don't waste failure. Fall forward, if nothing else. The next one is this. Though Paul and Barnabas separated on bad terms... Barnabas and Mark ministry flourished. Mark wrote the, the, the gospel of Mark that we read today about the servant Jesus Christ. Became a great help to the apostle Peter. Paul grows in respect towards Mark and even asks for him in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He didn't hold a grudge. Next one. Healing happened between Paul and Barnabas. We find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6. Healing happened between these two. The gospel spread like wildfire all through Europe. What I'm getting to is this. Failure, frustration does not mean you're finished. Failure and frustration do not mean God is finished. God often restores what the locust has eaten in our lives with abundantly more than what they could have ever taken. My friends, if we learn anything from this text, let it be this. The undeniable truth, here it is, that God's yellow silent will is progressively revealed the more we live obediently in His clear will. And with all of these general truths coming up in our lives as we seek to honor the Lord in our lives in areas that may seem difficult and silent, at least maybe we can all agree to this. It is far better to go through the valley of the shadow of death with God than to rest by still waters without Him. My friends, this passage provides us general observation on how God works in His unrevealed, silent will in our lives. They are meant to guide us as we seek Him. And it is here that we end with how we started. Wouldn't it be nice if God just stamped everything red, green, and yellow. My friends, that yellow becomes progressively clear the more we are living out 
the clear red and green. In fact, if I were to invert that truth, the less you are living out the red and the green, the more clouded the yellow becomes. Start with the red and green. Nail that down before we start claiming the yellow. And remember this. I'm going to leave you with this. God's will for you, God's will for me, God's will for us is far more about a heart surrendered than a location rendered. A heart surrendered. That, my friends, will preach to our hearts. Gracious Heavenly Father, dismiss us with your blessing. And on a day when we celebrate fathers, Father, you are the good, good Father. Thank you for your unconditional, never-ending, covenant-keeping, gracious, truthful character that you are as our Father. Dismiss us with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love you guys. You are dismissed. Happy Father's Day.